Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are in need of the cleansing realities of your life in our lives. We gather on this day. It's an exciting day. There's lots to celebrate today. Lots to be grateful for today. And at the same time, we can be honest with ourselves that maybe not everything's great in my life. For some of us, we gather and it's easy to sing the songs. We believe every word. And then for others, it's just harder. Maybe, maybe because faith comes hard. Maybe it's just a circumstance today But here we are, Lord, we're all here. Then we ask that you would meet us here by your word through the story of salvation to do a cleansing work in our lives. Meet us as we are and take us then to the place you need us to be for the good of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. So here we are. Welcome home. Uh, Sometimes I laugh. Uh, Sometimes I just want to cry being in this place. Uh, But mostly I want to sing. There's this Alleluia, I think it's printed in the worship folder. It's called the Ninth Street Alleluia for reasons that ought to be obvious. I would sing it for you, but that would be awful. I would also lead you in singing it, but then we'd be out of tune and off key. So I've asked Jonathan to sing it with you. Does that sound okay? I'm going to need a whole lot more from you than that. Does it sound okay? Oh, okay, then we can do it. Hallelujah. So I've been wondering to myself, what story will history tell about Pillar in this moment, this season, this this time? I mean, probably because I'm insecure, I wonder, what story will they tell? Maybe because I'm hopeful, I wonder, what story will they tell? Will it be the story of another American evangelical church that built a bigger building? Heard that story. What story will they tell? I want you to listen to a story today. It's a true story. It's a good story. It's not about Pillar. (laughs) But I hope... We, us, pillar, you, find your way into the story. It's a really long story. So, you know, fasten your seatbelts. 
In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man from the house of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. Now, the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, the name of his two sons Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. They went to the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, Malan and Chilion also died, leaving the woman without her two sons and her husband. She started to return from the country of Moab with her daughters-in-law, for she heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. She set out with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to, the re to return to the country of Judah. And Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Turn back, my daughters, to the house of your mother, May, may the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant security for you, each of you, in the house of your husband. And she kissed them. And they wept aloud. And they said, no. We will return with you to your people. And she said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and bore sons, would you wait until they're grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No. It has been far more bitter for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her. But Ruth, clung to her. Naomi said, see, your sister-in-law has gone after her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said to Naomi, do not press me to leave you or keep me from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them returned to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. The women said, is this Naomi? She said, call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full. The Lord brings me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Almighty has dealt harshly with me? The Lord has brought calamity upon me. So she returned 
with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent, rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Ruth said to Naomi, Let me go out into the field and glean ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her daughter, Go, my daughter. So she went, and she gleaned among the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz of the family of Elimelech. Just then, he came out of Bethlehem, and he said to his servants, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And he said to the servant in charge of the reapers, To whom does that young woman belong? And the servant in in charge of the reapers said, She is the Moabite who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She came and said, let me glean among the sheaves behind the reapers. And she's been on her feet from early in the morning until now and has not rested even for a moment. And Boaz said to Ruth, now my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I've instructed my young men not to bother you. If you're thirsty, drink from the vessels that my young men have drawn. And she fell prostrate and with her face to the ground said, why have I found favor in your sight? Why have you noticed me? I'm a foreigner. And he said, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and mother and your native place and came to a people you did not know before. May the Lord reward you for this deed. May you receive the full reward of the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you take refuge. And she said, may I continue to find favor in your sight, my Lord? For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, even though I'm not your servant. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here. Eat some bread. Dip the morsel into the sour wine. And she sat among the reapers, and he heaped up for her parched grain, and she ate and was satisfied, and there were leftovers. When she got up to glean, Boaz said to his servants, let the woman Glean even among the standing sheaves and do not reproach her. You must take handfuls from the bundles and leave them for her to glean and do not rebuke her. When it was evening, she she picked up what she had gleaned and she beat out what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley. And she returned to town, and her mother-in-law saw all that she had gleaned, and she took out from the leftovers after she herself had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said, With whom did you glean? With whom did you work? Blessed be he who has taken notice of you. And she told him, her, with whom she had worked. She said, I worked with Boaz. And she said, Blessed be he by the Lord who has not forsaken the dead or the living. And she said, This man is a relative 
one of our next of kin. And Ruth said to Naomi, he also said to me, glean among my servants until all the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, keep with the young women so that you're not bothered in another field. And she kept close to the young women of Boaz until the wheat and the barley harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, I must seek some security for you, that it may be well with you. See our kinsman Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. Now he is winnowing tonight on the threshing floor. Wash, anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes. And go down to the threshing floor, but do not let it be known to the man that you're at the threshing floor. Observe after he has eaten and drunk where he lies down, and then go lie down next to him and uncover his feet. And he will tell you what you are to do. And she said, all that you tell me I will do. So when it was evening... She went down to the threshing floor as her mother-in-law had instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and was in a contented mood, he lied down at the end of the heap of grain. And the woman came stealthily and lied down next to him and uncovered his feet. And at midnight, he was startled and turned and saw a young woman lying next to him. And he said, who are you? And she said, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are next of kin. And Boaz said, Blessed be you by the Lord, for this last act of faithfulness is greater than the first. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid, for all of my assembly knows that you are a worthy woman. It is true that I am a next of kin, but there's one who is closer than I. Lie down until morning, and in the morning, if he will claim you as next of kin, good, let him do it, but if he will not... Claim you as next of kin. As the Lord lives, I will claim you as next of kin. Lie down until the morning. In the morning, she got up before anyone could recognize another, for he said, it must not be known that the woman came down to the threshing floor. And he said to her, take the cloak that you are wearing and hold it out. And she held it out. And he took six measures of barley and placed them on her back. And he went into the city. And she returned to her town. And her mother-in-law said, how did it go with you? And she told her all that he had done for her. And she said, he's given me these six measures of barley, for he said, you must not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And Naomi said to Ruth, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter is settled. For he will not rest, but will settle the matter today. As soon as Boaz came to the gate and sat down, the next of kin of whom Boaz had been speaking passed by. And he said, friend, come over here and sit down. And so he came over and sat down. Then Boaz took 10 men from the elders of the city and said, sit down. And they sat down. And Boaz said to the next of kin, Naomi is selling the parcel of land that belongs to our kinsman, Elimelech. Buy it in the presence of these who are sitting here and the presence of the elders of my people. If you will not redeem it, then say so, because there is no one prior to you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. 
And Boaz said, the day you acquire from the hand of Naomi this parcel of land, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. And when he heard this, he said, I cannot redeem it without damaging my inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, or I cannot redeem it. Now, there was a custom in former times in Israel in the manner of exchanging and redeeming. To confirm a transaction, one would take off their sandal and give it to the other. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to those who were sitting there and to the ten elders, you are my witnesses today. I am acquiring from the hand of Naomi all that belongs to Elimelech and all that belongs to Malan and Chilean, including Ruth, the Moabite, the wife of Malan. You are my witnesses today. And everyone who was sitting there agreed with the elders. We are your witnesses. May, may the young woman who comes into your house be like Rachel and Leah, who together upheld the house of Israel. May you, may you produce children in Ephrathah and bestow a name in Bethlehem. May the children that the Lord gives to you by this young woman make your house like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And Boaz took... Ruth, to be his wife. And when they came together, conceive and bear a son. And all the women said, blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin. May he be to you a nourisher of life and a restorer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has borne him. And Naomi took him and she put him on her bosom and she became his nurse. And all the women of the neighborhood said, a son has been born to Naomi. So they called him Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. These are the descendants of the house of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's the book of Ruth. I wonder what story they'll tell about Pillar. I would love it if they would tell this story. <laughs> I love this story. It begins by naming reality. It ends in anticipation of God's good future. And between reality and future, there's faithfulness. Faithful, not just personal piety. Yes, of course, read your Bible, say your prayers, come to church. Yeah. Faithfulness as defined, extending yourself in care for the other. Giving yourself for the sake of another. Can that be our story? Let's let that be our story. Ruth, 
name's reality in the days when the judges ruled. In other words, there was basically chaos. They were longing, looking, waiting for a king that the judges are ruling. There was a famine in the land. People were hungry. It wasn't right for everybody. Elimelech dies. Malin Chilean die. Naomi, she's left without anything. It's the end of the line for Naomi. You might as well have died yourself when your husband and your sons have died. And she has two daughters-in-law who are Moabites. You can't get it worse. I mean, it'd be like, I'm not going to use any names. It's not good. And the only thing Naomi has is says, call me bitter. For the hand of the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Now, this is, this is the first Sunday in the new pillar. You, I am not bitter. <laughs> I am grateful. I mean, it's just, I mean, this is the floor that Van Ralty built. Van Ralty. There's a nine-foot statue. Man was 4'2". There's a nine-foot statue of him in Centennial Park. There's an hand-hewn axe beam just outside the sanctuary that some 24-year-old Dutchman fell in a forest, like, a long time ago. The ceiling is a replica of what it was. And it, I mean, it's, I love this. I'm not bitter. But I would like us to name reality if, if you're willing to open your eyes beyond just the sanctuary on the corner of Ninth and College. And, and maybe look around at the, maybe, maybe, maybe Ruth's naming of reality isn't that far off. There was a famine. Have you seen the images from Syria? Have you heard the vitriol on the broadcast? I got an email this week uh, from the local schools reporting a 2017 survey of youth in Ottawa County, not America, not Detroit, Flint, Ottawa County. Nearly 20% of youth, of those surveyed, nearly 20% of youth in Ottawa County thought about suicide at least once in the last year. 15% made a plan. And almost 10% tried. Sanctuary is beautiful, but maybe there's a famine in the land. There's racism in our town. There's a really low glass ceiling for women in our community. Teenagers are anxious, homes are broken, people are sad, blocks are divided. There's a famine in the land. And let's just name it. Let's just say it. It doesn't make it more or less true. It just makes it honest. You know what? Are you with me? You are more believable when you're honest. Ironically. <laughs> the story begins by naming reality, and then it ends. It ends the way only the Old Testament can, with all this weird genealogy stuff. Ah, it was such a good story. And then names I can't pronounce, but I pronounced like I knew what I was saying so that you would think that I knew what I was saying. <laughs> uh, these are the descendants of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of... Wait a minute. There might be a point to the gene. Obed of Jesse, Jesse of David. David, the king. 
This story is told in light of what was yet to be, what was still to come. Obed of Jesse, Jesse of David, and the only reason anyone talks about David still, other than Psalm 23, David points to Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, around whom one day people from every language and tribe and nation will all gather and sing, worthy is the Lamb. One day, believe me now, every knee will bend and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Swords will become plowshares, spears will become pruning hooks, act and baptisms. It's on the way. It's happening. It's coming. And we live with that anticipation. Name reality. It's just honest. But live in hope. And between reality and hope, faithful. Faithful. The story of Ruth is not just a cute little story about someone who made it out okay, but her faithfulness moves on. Without Ruth, there's no Obed. And without Obed, there's no Jesse. And without Jesse, there's no David. Her faithfulness was more than just a cute little story. It moved along the whole narrative, and your faithfulness is the same. I'm, you know, this is a big story. But maybe in our own little local, private, personal ways, we too can offer faithful, not not personal piety, of course. I'm talking about faithfulness as defined by extending yourself for the other. And move along the story. Three times, Ryan Hall got me onto this this week, three times the word hesed shows up in the book of Ruth. Hesed, you know, that's like the Old Testament's way of saying, yeah! Chesed, love. Oh, wait. Um, Above all, clothe yourselves in love. Uh, Now, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these, what was that one again? Is love, Jesus. They will know you are my disciples because you are right. (laughs) They'll know you're my disciples because you love. I'm not talking about, oh, just make sure everybody's affirmed all the time. Everybody gets a blue ribbon. Everybody gets a participation trophy. I'm not talking about some minimized love. I'm talking about giving yourself away to someone you don't like. To someone who's not like you. To someone who disagrees with you. Aren't you exhausted by the endless bantering and bickering and it's just so boring it is so stunningly predictable stop love hesed now what's amazing the three times the word is used in Ruth it is referred to someone else someone different each time first to the Lord begging the Lord to be hesed to Orpah and to Ruth Orpah and Ruth the Moabites the foreigners, the illegals, Lord, Hesed. The second time, to Ruth, who extends herself to Naomi. Naomi, the bitter, the lost, the sad. The third time, of Boaz. Boaz, the prominent, the rich, the protector. Hesed doesn't care who you are or where you're from. Hesed loves still. Hesed loves anyway. It is indiscriminate. Can that be our story? 
Can that be our story? What story will they tell? So Kristen and I got back from London. I've never been to London. I went to London. It was awesome. We got back on Thursday. Uh, We were there actually to attend kind of a conference called Experience Alpha. Four words to describe Alpha, hospitality, listening, empowering, and dependence. I want those words to describe this community. (laughs) There you go. There's all my cards. Uh, Hospitality, listening, empowering, dependence on the Spirit of God. You're going to learn a whole lot more about Alpha in the coming weeks and months. Uh, The last three days, we left uh, Monday the 30th of September. We came back Thursday the 10th of October. Uh, The last four days were, were this little conference. The first seven days, we were just hanging out. It was awesome. I mean, minus the passport being stolen and the credit cards, uh, but it's okay. There's offering plates here. We're going <laughs> to swing it through a couple more times. We had a great time. We saw, I love religious history, so I'm looking at, you know, St. Paul's Cathedral did even song at St. Paul's Cathedral, and the dude who married the royal people, I listened to him lecture. That was fun. Uh, West, it, was, it was awesome. Uh, we ate the food. We drank the it was <laughs> oh man it's just good I, it, was, it, was, it was great uh, the last half hour of this experience alpha conference uh, a woman named Jazz an English woman named Jazz I was invited to kind of conclude the conference uh, she's from northern England she's like a big deal she's kind of like internationally recognized. She wrote a book, um, Because of You, This Is Me, uh, basically telling her story. A really, really, really painful story. She did not like Christians. (laughs) She did not like the church. Uh, Here's the way she put it. I would rather eat my leg smothered in dog poo than go to church. And she didn't laugh. And we had to, because what else are you going to do except cry? She was abused by her stepfather as a little girl. She didn't really realize that's what it was until she was in health class at 11 years old, this internationally mandated class that every 11-year-old loves to attend, where the teacher is describing for her, for the class, the things that her stepdad had been doing to her. And... She said, it felt like ice being shoved down my throat. I couldn't breathe. She ran out of the, the room. She ran out of the school. She ran into the streets. And if you can believe this, uh, she met a pimp who promised her belonging, uh, who promised her acceptance, who said, oh, I love you. The first thing he did was took her to a clothing store, had her try on all of these outfits that are not fit for 11-year-olds to wear. In the dressing room, looking at the dress that this man wanted her to wear, and her memory was flooded with the only person she could remember who loved her. It was her first grade teacher, Mrs. Cook. She said, Mrs. Cook loved me. I don't think Mrs. Cook would wear this. So she dropped it. She ran out of the dressing room, ran out of the store, ran across the street to the police station where she put her hands on the counter and said, I have the right to remain silent. 
That's all she could think to say. Uh, Jazz became a Christian. Um, I'm telling you the story, though, because it was Mrs. Cook. It was a first grade teacher. Just doing her job. Just being faithful. Nobody else is talking about Mrs. Cook. Mrs. Cook was the difference between child prostitution, become adult prostitution, become addiction on any substance she could get her hands on. She loved me. She loved me. She loved me. Can that be our story? Can, can, we, can we love Jazz? Can we love Naomi? Can we have space for Ruth and Boaz too? She loved me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.